Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to NJS Bay's podcast program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a program designed to bring uh, educational leaders to you and important education issues of the day to you all also. We hope that you might even join in on this conversation. My name is Ray Penny. I'll be your host for this afternoon's program. Uh, we have the ability to take questions, and Jennifer will be mon- taking calls on our switchboard. Uh, I will let you know how that works. If you want to call in a question, you dial 1-347-989-8904. And when you're ready to make a comment or ask a question, I'm going to limit it to questions only because we have very limited time, and I know this issue is important. Uh, But if you want to ask a question, press 1, and that will indicate on our switchboard that you are ready to ask a question. Jennifer will then put you – talk to you separately and ask you your name uh, and where you're from, uh, not your last name and what topic or question that you want to ask a question on. Uh, if you try to listen both on the phone and on the computer, there's a, a delay and it's kind of confusing, so I would recommend that you listen to one or the other. We also have a chat room open, and we'll be monitoring the chat room. Uh, you will have to lo- register with Blog Talk Radio to get that question uh, uh, to get onto our chat room. Uh, but we'll be monitoring that, and if I see a question, I'll bring that comment and ask one of our speakers about it. Um, state standards uh, and standardized tests are really nothing new for New Jersey. We've had them since the 1990s. Uh, actually, standardized tests we've had for even longer than that. Um, and they have actually – high standards have worked well for New Jersey. No matter what uh, standard you look at, we're number one, two, or three in the nation as a school – as a state in our educational outcomes. But while all these concepts are not new – uh, the new park assessment has had many parents, students, and staff members a little uneasy, um, and there's been much debate about it. Uh, here today on this program, we'll be discussing the park exam. We're not going to go uh, discuss whether we should have the park exam, but what parents can be expecting in the park exam and explaining what the park exam is. Uh, here with me, uh, first, I'd like to welcome Deborah DeRouge, an English teacher at Neptune High School. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you very much, Ray. And also with me is Dr. Robert Price, uh, Director of Curriculum and Instruction at Northern Valley Schools, at the Northern Valley Schools Consortium in Bergen County. Welcome, Dr. Price. Thank you very much for having me. Okay. Uh, uh, Deborah, just give us a very brief uh, background of uh, your teaching experience. Sure. I've been an English teacher at Neptune High School in Monmouth County for 20 years. I've taught all levels and have been teaching before standards, before teaching, and all the way through the various changes that we've made. And Dr. Price, a little uh, brief uh, bio on you. I've also been a teacher in New Jersey for many years. I go back uh, to the GEPA times and through the uh, through ASK and HESPA. And um, I've been the Director of Curriculum Instruction, finishing my fifth year here at Northern Valley. I'm also a member of the New Jersey Educator Leader Cadre, uh, for PARC, and that has been a team of educators who have volunteered their time to learn as much as we can and to support uh, teachers in the classroom. All right. Um, as I said before, standardized testing is, is not new. Uh, I will make a little caveat here. You've both been around a long time, and know how you did KEPA, and I thought about all the acronyms that we have gone through in those 20 years of education. Uh, and now we have the new one, PARC. Uh, 
but what's why is there anxiety on PARC, and what's the difference between PARC um, and our other standardized tests like NJASC or HESPA? Uh, Dr. Um, Price, what's the difference? I would say there's, there really are some significant differences. Um, the for Just for instance, the NJASC test gave us information about students um, as related to some content area, uh, some content information based on grade level. And we would get back information that said that students were either advanced proficient, proficient, or partially proficient. Um, it was a bubble pen, paper and pencil test, um, difficult to score for the writing pieces, basically based on a pretty much a 100- to 50-year-old uh, format for testing. The PARC exam... Uh, is very closely aligned to the Common Core State Standards. As a matter of fact, that's the mandate of the PARC test to measure mastery of the standards at grade level. And, of course, everyone knows that the PARC test will be really the first test that's given um, online. So it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, I think, anxiety around just a change in testing. It's always difficult to go from one test to another. There's always a difference in understanding scores. But adding the computer elements to it... Um, Makes makes for a big difference. We have very different expectations from Park. Uh, I'll follow up another question in a second. Deborah, is there anything else from your perspective that's different, or maybe what's the same too? Well, I think that um, one thing from a teacher's perspective is that I know that I need to prepare my students for a little bit different of a question. Um, Park, because it's online, is capable of asking a follow-up question. And so um, that's something that maybe a paper test wouldn't have done before. Also, the computer skills that go with it. So, you know, from that point of view, I want to make sure that my, my students are prepared, and that is a difference and may cause some anxiety, but is easily addressed. I think one other uh, thing to add is is just that it because it is a computer test, um, it, it offers the students... Um, several different options that wouldn't have been available, paper and pencil tests. The designers of the online component took into consideration universal design right from the start. So there are things like uh, there are tools such as you know highlighter tools and reading tools and some of the uh, things that we are used to in word processing. Um, even there is some opportunities to have like a spell check or a, uh, a glossary available, which certainly was never possible with paper and pencil tests. I, I totally agree. Um, Dr. Brace, another thing that, I, that you made me think of is the idea that we get to ask a different kind of question than that straightforward question. I love the, the drag and drop options um, that are available, and, and I just think that it works so well for our students and, and provides them with a variety of ways of showing their mastery of the, of the standards. Yeah, I do you want know, to add that you it, need- it is more complex, and it, it will be um, more difficult because it's asking some higher order thinking. Okay, uh, there's I have two different questions here because uh, you just went into another area. But before I move on, uh, it seems from both of you, and I didn't even get to ask the question about. Uh, I, I hear a lot of concern about it being online, and that seems to be where a lot of anxiety is coming from the parents' perspective. Uh, you both seem to be telling me that you don't see that as a a major issue. I mean, I'm sure there might be some problems, but you seem to embrace the online version. Am I correct? I do. Hello? I absolutely do. I, I, I also do, yeah. I, I think that it, the time has come. You know, we talk about offering our students 21st century opportunities, um, but, you know, 15 years into the 21st century and we're not able to offer a, a test 
taking uh, taking these uh, great innovations into consideration, I think uh, the time has come for an online test. And from what we have seen from the students, and if you look at the lessons learned from the field test last year, uh, it, it was not a, an issue with the students to work with the computer interface. It's something that they have been used to. I can see why adults would be stressed about it, because that is not the way we have learned. But I always, I also like to say to people is, can anyone really remember anything more stressful than sitting in a room of 200 students with a sealed test and four sharpened pencils and someone saying, you know, break the seal and don't turn the test and you have exactly 40 minutes. <laughs> I find mm -hmm. it hard to believe that anyone would think that this would be more stressful than that. And also it's trying to erase a, a bubble completely. Uh, Deborah, are, do you uh, kind of agree with Dr. Price that I absolutely from your do. perspective um, for your we're students? We're already teaching. We're teaching at a rigorous 21st century level. Um, we're mm -hmm. asking those expectations from our students every day because that's what comes from the Common Core. And then we to give them to go back and give them a test um, on, on paper at a lower level is um, it doesn't do them justice. It doesn't do educational system justice, and it doesn't provide us with good data to help our students learn and uh, afford after that testing. So I think that um, we don't have a choice but to move forward. And although, as you know, older uh, learners may be uncomfortable with it, we really need to... Um, provide this opportunity for our students. It's the only way to do justice to their learning. Uh, uh, Dr. Price, you brought it up, and we'll, uh, one of the differences that you said is that um, these tests might are probably a little bit more rigorous, a little bit more difficult, and I, I think the Common Core standards are uh, a little bit more rigorous than our previous standards, uh, which I think is common. There are standards we keep raising the bar every few years. Uh, is that definitely what you said, is that you think the test is a little bit more rigorous and that it's asking higher uh, level well, of questions? I think, um, well, first of all, I, I, in many cases, I, I like to say that uh, in terms of the standards, they may be more rigorous, but what they are is they're much more coherent. Um, they're, this is the first time we had standards that are for each grade level. So we're no longer saying in New Jersey that students need to know this by the end of fourth grade or eighth grade or 11th grade. We're saying that here is a set of standards that we expect students to know at the end of kindergarten and first grade and second grade right up through 12th grade. And we find that there are anchor standards in there so that we're learning about um, author's craft from kindergarten forward. We're learning about um, order of operation. Um, order of operations in algebraic thinking and moving it up from year to year. So I think the coherence is the is the really big plus from the standard side. Now, on the testing side, we're able to ask questions that go deeper into a student's understanding of these standards, and that's what makes these tests look different. We're asking students to compare and contrast and bring evidence from text. Uh, we're asking students a follow-up question. The questions are they they follow a path so that the questions may start at this point and move up towards a more difficult question. These are all things that we never had. So they look very different and they are more complex. Uh, but I think it's what we what we really want to get to. I, it was great what Deborah said about honoring the work that students are doing. And the other part is I do believe that our students can do this. I mean, I do not believe that our students all have to be very advanced the first time we do this. I am confident that from whatever base we find from this first round of testing, we we will be growing forward because I have a lot of confidence in our teachers and our students. Deborah? 
I, I totally agree. The, the model of teaching is to start low and move higher up Bloom's taxonomy, and and the test models that. So I think it echoes um, that that learning path that students are used to anyway. Um, the standards themselves are very defined. They use academic language that we may be unused to, but um, is easily taught and included in lessons. And um, the the standards themselves are just condensed and better organized. As a teacher, I find them just so much more um, user-friendly. Um, they help me to really make good, focused lessons. I've learned to change my teaching from teaching topics to teaching standards. Um, and I think that that makes my teaching better, and I think it makes the learning more cohesive for my students. So I think that I, I the test mimicking it is just going just gonna to be the cherry on top for me. Okay, now Deborah, uh, what I, you know, some of the criticism I've heard, and you said, made a line there. You said teaching to the standards, not teaching to the test. Um, and some people are afraid that we're teaching to the test, uh, but teaching to the standards, you, you say, are is a, a positive thing. Why is that? Well, the standards tell us exactly what it is our students are supposed to be able to do, what they, the skills that they need to have before they leave a particular grade level, so that they are college and career ready. And that's what the aim of the um, the whole Common Core is. So if we know what the skills are at the end that they need by 12th grade, we can break them down all the way. And that's just what the Common Core has done. It's elevated the language it uses, um, but I have traced the New Jersey standards that I used in my classroom before back into the high school um, common Core, and, and there are many similarities, but with different language. Some have been just condensed, um, and some they're asking for me to increase the rigor at a different level. Maybe instead of 11th grade, I need to work on that at 9th grade. And so we have revised our curriculum to, to work with that. But I really think that teaching the standards, the skills, is so much more important than teaching the content. And for a literature teacher, that's, that's a tough thing to deal with, but it's for the benefit of my students. I know that they can transfer that from Shakespeare or Chaucer to anywhere else in life, and that's really that's what the standards are really about. Yeah, I'd like to uh, just get in here on that point of teaching to the test, which is probably one of the most uh, controversial pieces, and it's it's caused the most um, kind of uproar in the discussion. So, in the past, we have had tests that you could do extensive te test prepping for. I mean, there there have been schools that have basically closed down their instruction for for several weeks or perhaps even longer to, to do some uh, drill and practice, to bring in some test prep booklets, uh, and it really did take away from instructional time. I, I do believe, and I've looked, you know, really worked on this park uh, business in Common Core since they, uh, well, Common Core since it was first introduced or accepted in New Jersey in summer 2010 and the the test if the test reflects the learning that takes place in the classroom we're not teaching to the test the test is measuring the learning of the students i don't believe that you're going to be able to test prep for park yeah. i believe you're going to have to teach to the standards and you're going to have to teach to the standards every day every week every month and each year so I will see what happens as this comes along. This first year, there has been quite a bit of uh, prep because we're in that part where we're catching up to something new, and, of course, the the technology part is new. But I think moving forward, 
the test reflects the learning we expect our students to reach. I totally agree. I do have a I, You have another question? Yeah, I did have, but do you have a comment? I do. I'm so sorry. Um, I just, I have to uh, just stress the idea that Dr. Price said that you can't, you know, maybe we've tried to, to teach the test or prep for the test. Um, and I know that, it, you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago, maybe I did take a week. I was told I was supposed to do this, and, and we did really focus on it. And there were handouts and workbooks and things that you could purchase to get ready for the HESPA. And you're not going to see that. Um, I, I totally agree. There's no way. This is deep learning that um, cannot be memorized or or put into someone's head for a few days so that they can put it out back on a piece of paper. This is really deep learning that has to be done over time. And so we are going to eliminate that test prep. And I kind of, that's one thing I really appreciate about it. Well, you, uh, from what you're saying, we're not testing content in terms of drill and kill. We're testing skills. Right. Uh, that's right. Okay. Uh, let's get to some nitty-gritty questions that I have heard and I'm sure some parents also have. Uh, are there accommodations for special ed students? Uh, I've heard that so absolutely numerous times. This is this is a, a great uh, this is a great question, and I'm I'm actually very disappointed in kind of the park people in not promoting the work that has been done. Uh, there's there's a manual called the Park Accessibility and Accommodations Manual, and that really outlines how the test has been structured using this concept of universal design. So uni universal design says that what advantages can we give all students that allow them to let us know what learning they have accomplished. So let's not put, let's give them the tools to show us their learning. Uh, and then on top of that, what accommodations can we make and build into the test or for those students who need um, some other accommodations due to special ed? Uh, what has been quite surprising to general classroom teachers now is that things in our previous tests that only students, special ed students with 504s or IEPs, um, is not advantages but modifications they would get are now given to all the students. So for instance, um, generous time has really been built into this test. Uh, if you look at the sessions, uh, the information we get on a session, let's say a fifth grade uh, literature um, unit, it says 50 minutes to 75 minutes. The 50 minutes means that they believe that the vast majority of students will be done in 50 minutes, but that unit session is going to give 75 minutes to all students so that they don't feel that sort of rushed countdown we have felt with previous tests. So that's just one accessibility that used to be given to just a small group is now given to a larger group. Now a student that needs even more time, a special ed student, that student with this test could be given up to one full day to complete one unit on the test. So it sounds like there's mo almost more accommodations than in the past. Uh, there are lots more for accommodations. Students. Right, there are. Uh, and um, how long is each test? And, and there's two two-part question. We'll do how long is the testing period, uh, and then there's two sessions of the test, and why are there two sessions? But let's do how long are the will kids be do, doing testing? So um, I have a chart in front of me here, so that might be helpful. Uh, we actually put together a chart uh, to 
to reassure teachers that the unit, you know how long a unit was, what kind of questions, uh, how many questions students would be asking, what tasks would they be asked to do. Uh, I, I would like to say because we had found that some of the practice tests that were were uh, put out, out online uh, to prepare or to give insight into the test, they were not set up like a testing session. They were set up to give examples of questions. So they appeared to be really long. So we went in and found that. So let me just take a fifth grade. So in fifth grade, in the tests that they will take this March, which we call the uh, performance-based assessments, the PBA, there'll be five units. Um, there's a there's a literature analysis, research simulation, a narrative uh, task, and then there's a math one and a math two. So there's five separate testing units. Uh, they range from 50 minutes, where the vast majority of the students would be done in uh, 40 to 50 minute sessions. But remember, they'll all be given time and a half for that. So the sessions themselves would be a maximum of 90 minutes and a minimum of uh, 70 minutes, uh, 60 minutes, I'm sorry, 60 minutes. Um, that would be one unit. Okay. Um, and there's two sessions, one in March and one in May. Why is that? That, Deborah? Sure. The one in March is about 75% through, and that is a performance base, um, where the end of the year is in May. And the idea is that the performance base is going to give us some information that a teacher can work with in order to anticipate the end of the year and we can see the difference. They also, on slightly different, I know from the English point of view, we don't have the, they're going to be quickly scored the end of the year simply because there's not the open-ended or the writing section. And so that will provide us with quick feedback um, on the scores of students so we can really use that data while the students are still in our class. So the two different tests are going to be slightly different, but not, so for high school, it goes from three days of um, English language arts into just two days um, because we take out the writing element. So it's a little bit different. And, you know, it, what um, another piece to this is the idea we're trying to tell people that it's it's not two separate tests, that it's, it's, a, it's one test given in two sessions. Uh, the promise of PARC is that one of the promises, as Deborah mentioned, is that we would get the scores back in a timely manner. Now, we will not get the scores back in a timely manner this year. Um, with 5 million students taking this test, they'll be looking at the data over this coming summer. We'll, we should get scores back in the fall. But the following year, the promise is that we would get our scores back before the school year ends. And that first test, as Deborah mentioned, with the writing, it needs to be human scored. So we need a longer lead time in that part. And then from that human scored part in the PBA, the e, the end of year test is all machine scored, so we can have that information brought together at that point, so that schools could have it before the end of the year. And uh, my understanding is, what type of information or data do you think you'll get? Not this year, uh, and how will districts use it? Uh, like in the following year, when you get the information back quicker, uh, what type of data do you get? Will it be better than what you get from the NJ Ask and HESPA and all that? Well, the promise is that the, that the data will be disaggregated so that we can see how students perform in different areas um, so that we can say, well, perhaps as a school, we, are, we really haven't reached that level of uh, research simulation that we need to do. And as a school, we can start offering more opportunities for students or getting more materials for students or 
um, making changes and scheduling that type of thing. Um, we we do expect to get some of that data um, back for uh, next year. We just wouldn't get it um, as early. There's also the promise that we'll get sample questions. We'll actually be able to see the type of questions that students were asked so that uh, we would get greater insight into what was on that particular test. And, and I should say that even right now, um, you can go uh, to the PARC online website, you can dig into the blueprints, you can find out how items are developed, you can find out what type of questions are being asked, you can concentrate on what standards are um, major standards that are going to be addressed in the test. There's, there really is, even before we've seen the test, we know more about this test than any test we've ever we've ever worked on. It's just there's almost so much information, it becomes difficult to uh, uh, to take it all in. Mm. Uh, both of you seem very calm about this, uh, confident. Uh, but I know out there a lot of people are not sharing that same confidence and uh, there's anxiety. And I just want to go over a couple of questions just that I, that I have heard. Um, and you kind of answered some of them, but uh, I'll do this just a little bit again. Um, is this uh, what happens in a, if you know the, I guess the big anxiety I heard, and I, I don't know if it's been an issue, but if something goes wrong with the computer, uh, say it, it's 30 minutes in and their computer crashes, what happens? Will their child be punished, or or do they have to retake it? Either one no. of you? No. Okay. No, I, I mean I, I did I did talk to our tech people about this issue because you're right, it is something that uh has been uh, brought up. Um and I, I actually I asked so what's a catastrophic problem, you know, the, the computer completely blows up while the student is taking the test. Uh the maximum a student would lose would be thirty seconds, the the previous thirty seconds of work. So the work is the way it's set up the work would be would be saved and stored. Um, and then that the student can then be just either brought to another computer and uh, restarted into the test at that point with perhaps 30 seconds of work lost, um, or just have that, that computer restarted, or have the session um, resumed because it was paused for some reason. So um, in talking to my tech people, they, they, they are very confident that there are not a lot of problems that can happen, and that if the problems that do happen, they can be they can be adjusted, so the student would not be punished in in any way, or lose much of what of the work that they had already started. At, at Neptune, we have Dr. Price. We have the, the exact same feeling. Um, our tech department has really worked on and and worked with Park on every single computer. They've already front loaded everything that could possibly, you know, consider what what could happen. Put it put the website into the cache so it's quickly uploaded. Um, teachers have been trained on how to manage anything that's a simple tech problem, and we have a tech on hand at all times during testing to handle anything like maybe an, an, another computer needs to be started up. So there's always someone else on hand to help out, and the student won't lose any time because they'll just be given that time back. You're right. So know the time. Um, you know, if they lose four minutes in between switching computers, they get four minutes. So, it, you know, it won't be – the student will not be penalized for any tech problem that might happen, but we're pretty confident in the technology that we have and our tech team having everything prepared that we're not anticipating anything to be a major catastrophe. You know, and what's also very different is this time, this is the first time we're ever testing in a testing window with a with a lot of flexibility. So, you know, again, if something went 
uh, let's just say we have a snowstorm Monday, which I heard they're having a snowstorm Monday. But if that happens, we still have 20-day window to um, mm-hmm. start the test the next day. Whereas in the past, uh, you know, everyone in the state had to open the test on the same day at the same time. Uh, and then there were very strict protocols in place because of security reasons. Um, that's why it had to be so strict. Now this test has some built-in protocols that have eliminated that worry and gives us the flexibility to to make some adjustments because I don't there will be problems. I can't imagine us doing something of this scale with technology um without having any problems. And I know we sound calm on the radio, but we have our moments too. Well, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you do. Uh I guess a point of clarification too uh for parents members of the community, even though there's 20 days of testing, the kids it's a window of 20 days. Each student will not be taking a test for 20 days. Of course not. It's, they'll still they'll take their five sessions, no session longer than 90 minutes, and uh, some as short as 60. There'll be five of those. That's it. It's just that rotating students through whatever technology is being used. Um, you have 20, the, the district has 20 days to move all the students through the process. Uh, we're talking uh, with Dr. Robert Price and De- uh, from uh, Northern Valley uh, Schools Consortium and Deborah Darouche from uh, Neptune High School. Uh, if you have any questions, dial one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four and press one. Uh, I think our switchboard operator is having a little difficulty with her uh, headset, but I'll try to get you on the line. Um, and I know. Uh, I, you said this before, but I really want to reiterate. I've heard that the test is too difficult uh, in two parts. One, uh, parents, and I've heard from staff members. They don't think they think the, the technology is too hard. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the standards and part of the reason for the test is to drive kids to learn technology. Would that be is that a skill that we are demanding of our kids now and in the future? Um. I, I haven't heard that as uh, being, you know, one of the goals of of, uh, of the actual park assessment. It may be something that, you know, as a society, we would like our students to be more uh, technology literate. Uh, you know, and, and even I have heard some of the older kids, middle school, uh, high school, uh, feeling that the technology, you know, the drag and drop, the uh, the typing, uh, copying and pasting, that all of these things were really quite fundamental to them. Uh, they they did not see this as a great leap, and uh, I imagine it would move forward. And even our younger students really didn't have any trouble with uh, the interface itself. Um, I don't think that's part of it. But the we as we had said before, the, the way the questions are structured, uh, they're they're looking for you know higher level thinking in order to answer this. I, I another promise of Park, and I always say promise of Park because this is what they've told us, and I'm just hoping it it happens, uh, is that at grade level that the the scale is much longer, that there will be questions that measure students who are significantly below grade level and students who are significantly above grade level. In the past, with the New Jersey Ask, we didn't have that. So you know, many districts had students, let's say in math in particular, who got the highest score in certain areas, and that was it. They just, you know, you got a 300, there was nowhere to go from there. Uh, this test is supposed to measure the students beyond just those those ceilings. So that data would be quite useful for us. I I agree. I, I think that the interface is, we have to remember that 
the computer-based, that interface that you were speaking of, Dr. Price, it's, it's a tool. It isn't the goal of Spark. It's simply the tool in order for us to um, evaluate and assess. Um, in today's 21st century learner, with the tools of a 21st century learner. So I think that the, we might be stressed about it as uh, the older generation, but definitely they're not as stressed as we are. Uh, Deborah, I've heard two things with uh, the language arts, and uh, we've kind of discussed it, but I want to uh, – uh, in one, uh, the writing is, may be more difficult on the computer, which – Personally, I I thought when they did the pers- personal computer, I'm the days of writing by hand and with the computer, with a typewriter, a computer is so much easier to write with. And I know my own kids are. Is that a, a, a by writing? I mean essays and of that sort. Uh, is that okay. your experience that it's probably easier to write because you have spell check and you can go back and not have to erase things. I find my students prefer to write on a computer directly, even when I ask them to brainstorm or write an essay in class, they'll ask if they can do it at home because it's easier on the computer. Even some of them will ask if they can break out their phones and use that instead of, you know, um, doing it by hand. They like to use the tools. They're used to using the tools. Um, and I, I don't see where that's that's a negative. I also think that it allows us to ask for something beyond just a simple um, five-paragraph essay or, or, or an open-ended question. I love the idea of the uh, simulated research um, prompt. It allows them to toggle, which they're very comfortable with, between different resources and be able to write and, and copy and paste and cite things the way that they're used to doing that um, through their learning. So we're really assessing them um, very much in line with how they're learning. And I think that that's, they like that. They're more comfortable with that. If we were to ask them to do those same tasks, at that same level, with a pencil and a paper, it would be very laborious for them. But that's, that's tougher. They would prefer using the keyboard, in my experience. Yeah. I, I'd have to agree that, uh, you know, if we look around it, if we just observe our uh, our students today, uh, their preference would be to type in their work, uh, you know, watch them delete, watch them change their name, uh, change their uh, change their mind, watch them move a sentence, copy and paste. It, that seems to be the way that they compose. Um, for all those students listening out there, though, I would recommend that when you are beginning your your prose constructed responses, that you do jot an outline down. You know, have your thoughts there uh, that you can reference back. I, that's just a a bit of advice I would throw out there for for all students. There will be scratch paper, of course, so it's another accessibility tool. And if that's part of your learning style, please don't hesitate in using that. Uh, and the other thing with language arts, uh, and this is probably more to the Common Core, is that we're not going to be teaching enough of the classics in literature because there's a little bit of a shift to nonfiction. Um, is that a worry among your staff, uh, your colleagues, uh, Deborah? Um, the shift to nonfiction is a shift that's shared by the entire staff um, I'm at the high school level. So we're talking the science and, you know, math and history. Everyone is sharing in that the, the state standards tell us, the Common Core standards tell us 70% by high school of nonfiction. But that's not just in, in an English class. That's in all classes. So we're talking about increasing their reading overall with um, more of the, the nonfiction, which is 
what we read in life, in, in everyday life on a regular basis. So um, it's not a, doesn't mean not to do literature. It doesn't say that you don't do the classics. It's just that we're including more of, of that everyday text that maybe we weren't doing before. In my school, we have shared that. You know, everyone is pitching in, and you'll find uh, the chemistry teacher adding more and the math teacher adding more reading assignments. Um, so we've uh, attacked that by sharing that burden together. And so it really hasn't made a huge impact on the literature and the classes. The students are still getting those basics. Okay, I have a couple... That's just a great point because a lot of people don't realize that in grades 6 through 12, there are common core standards for literacy and for writing in the areas of science, history, and technical uh, and the technical courses. Yeah. So that, that, that is really where we see that um, refocusing in, the, uh, in that area. Okay, I have a couple of uh, – it's a two-part question from someone in our chat room. Uh, and I'll give their second question first. Um, I have heard uh, that there can be one more than one correct answer. How will that? Uh, but will they be marked wrong if it's not the expected answer? And I know the uh, the questions where there might be more than one answer. So my understanding is that there are going to be questions like that. There'll be questions where there'll be multiple. Uh, correct answers for a question. So our standard multiple choice of four choices where one is correct does still exist, but there will be other opportunities where more than one. I have been told that some, depending on that question, a student may have to get all of the parts right for full credit, and in other questions they do not have to get all of them right for full credit, and that there there will be opportunities for partial credit in, in the different areas of ELA and in math. Um, I but I have not found anything about, you know, um, the scoring and the weighting of those questions. And that, I, I, I'm with everyone on that. I'm very curious as to um, looking at these uh, scores in the end and, and figuring out the complexity of the scoring. Uh, the other question, uh, part of that question, uh, is uh, why wasn't the park uh, phased in at the younger grades because they've been pretty much just dealing with Common Core, whereas students in the high school really haven't had those standards. I guess uh, is the Common Core that usually from the previous standards? Um, I you know I this is this is I have asked this question right at the beginning. I was curious about this too, and have worked through it in in some part. Like why couldn't we wait until you know moved it up with the students as they move along? And it was pointed out to me that if we waited seven years we would actually be sort of trapping a group of students in uh, a, an older curriculum that we were agreeing was not meeting the needs of our of our students. So yes, in the beginning here, it is going to be, there are some real bumps. Uh, in middle school, we had some areas where we were, we were moving something back or moving something up and had to fill a gap. And I am really hoping that um, that has been taken into consideration in the design of these early tests. But I, I do think that if we wait, any, if we keep waiting, we keep putting things off. So the fact that we have moved uh, since 2010, so we have been doing the Common Core Standards, uh, the schools have seen them for a while, and they have been in our curriculum for several years. I, I, I do believe that it's best that we move together on this rather than setting up almost two separate sets of curricula. 
And that also might be something that, particularly the first year, that they analyze is uh, the results uh, over the summer. Uh, you know, what happened at Park? Was there an issue with the students at the higher grade level or right. lower grade level? Right. So that's probably another reason that I, I can't speak for Park. But uh, And then the other question that they had is, um, wait, what will happen in high school when multi-grades are in the same class? I, I, I think there are all the tests in high school at the same grade level? That's, no, that's a, that's a good question. Um, uh, so in high school, students are students will take a park test based on the course that they are rostered for. So if I have a mixed class of sophomores and uh, freshmen who are taking Algebra 1, all of those students will take Algebra 1 regardless of what grade level they're in. On English, it's much easier because it's English 9, English uh, English 1, 2, 3, which is 9, 10, and 11. But for math, it does get uh, – a student takes a test in the course that they are rostered for. Okay. Uh, also, in either one of your districts, uh, the other concern I have is uh, I've heard from parents is will there be any – punishment to the student or any negative impact to the student if they don't do good on this test in terms of placement in classes uh, or if they don't take the test. There are there are some students who are or parents who are considering opting out their uh, children. Uh, I haven't heard of any district doing anything, uh, no negative impact on the test, uh, particularly this year, especially right. since they wouldn't have the information. But have you heard of anything? I'm going to say no on our part. We're not going to use park scores for any placement or any, um, you know, promotional uh, promotion decisions. No, and 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 neither in in ours. And I haven't heard anyone yet um, who has in other districts that that I know from. Um, that that would be interesting because we're not going to get them until later. So, you know, just getting that information is going to take us so much time to go through and just understand it and, and get out of it what we can so that we can move forward and, and help our students move forward. You know, what can we learn from it? I think it, that alone is going to take us a while. Right. And it's, it's important. I think it's important for everybody to know that although PARC is replacing HESPA, PARC is, is not a high school graduation requirement. Yeah, that's true. HESPA was, right? Yes, okay. very true. Um, and then uh, the other qu- uh, part of her question is, Will teaching be halted while the testing is going on in all grades? Uh, you know, that school will, I guess, only be focused on the testing. What about the kids who are not in the test, taking a test? Um, you know, in you know, I have a variety of schools with a variety of um, solutions for bringing the, the students to the technology for this test. So um, it's it's my understanding that, you know, some students will be going into a testing area where they'll be testing and the rest of the school will be um, continuing with, with a regular uh, school day. Uh, and that we have some delayed openings in the high school. The students will take their 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 test in the de- delayed period that was created um, in the morning, and then they will be going back to classes on a, on a re- uh, back into the regular schedule. Okay. But some districts have done that for other standardized tests already. That's not new to park, right? I've heard of districts having delayed or schools having a delayed opening on other tests. So that's not anything. We did that for the HESPA at Neptune. We always had delayed openings when we let the students take the HESPA. This year, we're not. We're not having delayed openings in our high school. Um, So every, every district does what's best 
in the, for their their um, students and for their situation. We're on a block schedule, so our students, the entire school will continue on. We've blocked off two wings that have the technology in it, and the students have rosters, and they'll go to uh, the testing site, take the test, and then go back to their regular day. So the rest of the building will continue on. So the entire school is not disrupted by testing. Okay, we're running out of time in 10 seconds. Uh, any final <laughs> words of advice for a parent out there uh, who has some anxiety? I would I would tell your your children not to, not to worry and to do their best. To just calm down and do your best so we can help you move forward. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, they can do that. Uh, um, I would like to thank uh, both you, Dr. Price and Deborah, for participating in this. And actually, I told my kids that all throughout school, so it's not that's not new. I always told them to just do their best and not to worry about it. And so I'd like to thank you for joining us on this program. I hope the parents who listened uh, and the board members uh, feel a little bit more confident and uh, it relieves some of their anxiety. And thank you for joining me. Thank, thank you, you very much for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.